Good evening, and welcome to the Heritage of Faith Conversations radio program, sponsored by Heritage Baptist Church in New York City, a church that is committed to proclaiming the gospel of Jesus Christ in an atmosphere of love. Please join us this hour as Pastor Matthew Recker opens the Word of God and then brings others, including you, into the conversation. Tonight, we'll seek to have a dialogue that will glorify God and will show how the Bible is relevant to everyday life. Our desire is to lead people to salvation in Christ and encourage believers in their spiritual growth. Join us and build up your own heritage of faith. Thank you for joining us tonight for another episode of the Heritage of Faith Conversations radio program. We are coming to you live this evening with our host, Pastor Matthew Recker. My name is Micah, and tonight we will continue our discussion in the Book of Romans, picking up the pace a little bit as we have just two more programs to finish the book. As always, we have call screeners standing by this evening, and they can be reached at 929-333-3739. Pastor Matt, once again, we are separated by a whole continent. I am here in Alaska, but I am with you in spirit in New York. Yeah, thank you, Micah, for joining us. I thought you were in the Lincoln Tunnel. That's where it sounds like you are, right? In the middle of the Lincoln Tunnel somewhere. But we're glad to have you joining four hours behind us all the way in Alaska. And it's good to see you on our Zoom call. And you sound good, although we can tell, you know, you're you're talking on a phone. But it's okay. We're You're here with us live, brother, and we appreciate that. Praise God. Praise God. Yeah. And we're looking forward to our program tonight, Mike. And as you just said, there's only two more Heritage of Faith Conversation programs as we have decided to suspend our program for now. And so we do want to thank our listeners for who, who have listened to us faithfully for these. Pl- has it, how many years has it been? Has it been three years? A little more than three, yeah. Yeah. So we want to thank our listeners, and we do ask for your prayers for us at Heritage Baptist Church. And we encourage you to visit with us as you're able. We meet on Sunday at 490 Hudson Street, and that's in the Greenwich Village area of Manhattan. And if you're coming from New Jersey, the PATH train is very close to there. You just take the PATH train to the Christopher Street stop. If you're coming to us from within the city, you could take the number one train to Christopher Street, Sheridan Square, or you could just go to West 4th Street Station, and it's a walk from there. And we'd love to have you visit with us. 10 a.m. we have Bible study. 11 a.m. is our morning service at 490 Hudson Street. Our website is hbcnyc.org. And we're just so happy as well, Micah, to have with us tonight a good friend of our program. He's been with us before. We're glad to have him back before we suspend the program. So, Brother Dow, Kevin Buford, thank you for being with us this evening, dear brother. Well, it's it's an honor. And I bring uh, greetings from Mount Sinai United Christian Church on Staten Island, where the Honorable Pastor Victor Allen Brown is uh, yeah. the and, pastor. Yeah. Amen. And and uh, brother brother Dow, I know that you're an author. You've written a, a book, a best-selling book, entitled "I've Got It All in My Shopping in My Shopping Mall." Did I say it right? I got it all in my little shopping the, mall. In my little shopping mall. That's it. Because mm-hmm. you are an author and you are a poet. And I, I'm honored as well to be included with a poem in your book, and I th- I'll never be able to thank you enough for that, and for you to take the time to have written a, a, a poem of our f- relationship and friendship that God has developed through the radio. And so I think this is one of the blessings of our radio program, that we know each other through the Heritage of Faith program, and you've supported and you've prayed for us and been a friend of us, and we're so honored. Well, thank you, Pastor. And I- 
listen, uh, you've been a great friend of mine, and uh, I just, uh, I'm just honored to be here for this program. Yeah, and Micah and I did enjoy the book signing as well. We went out to the Staten Island, to the library there, and, and you had quite a good crowd out for your book signing uh, conversation. That You were just there to answer questions and sign your book at the library uh, in Staten Island. That was quite a great uh, event there. Thank you, Pastor. I, yeah. I really was honored that you, uh, you, you, you attended. Amen. Amen. And, of course, this evening we have my lovely, faithful, dear wife. Hi, everyone. <laughs> Debbie great is here. here. Okay. Debbie, how are you tonight? I'm fine, thank Good. you. I'm doing great. Thanks. Thank you for being here. It's a little cool in the studio. Uh, should I say cold? I'm fine. Okay. You're fine. <laughs> Okay, well, we're glad that you're well bundled up, and you're not cold, and you're fine, sweetheart. But we're glad to be here with you uh, with you tonight, dear friends. And we're going to be looking tonight in Romans chapter 13, and then the first part of Romans 14. We're expanding the scope of our study, because we only have two programs left, so we kind of wanted to finish Romans with you. So we're going to move at a quicker pace these last couple of weeks. But this evening, we're going to read Romans chapter 13, the entire chapter, and we'll start it off with Brother Micah, if you could start us off, Romans chapter 13, verse 1. Romans 13, let every soul be subject unto the higher powers, for there is no power but of God. The powers that be are ordained of God. Whosoever therefore resisteth the power, resisteth the ordinance of God, and they that resist shall receive to themselves damnation. The rulers are not a terror to good works, but to the evil. Will thou then be afraid? Uh, will thou then not be afraid of the power? Do that which is good, and thou shalt have praise of the same. For he is the minister of God to thee for good. But if thou do that which is evil, be afraid. For he beareth not the sword in vain. For he is the minister of God, a revenger, to execute wrath upon him that doeth evil. Wherefore, ye must needs be subject, not only for wrath, but, for, but also for conscience' sake. For for this cause pay ye tribute also. For they are God's ministers, attending continually upon this very thing. Render, therefore, to all their dues, tribute to whom tribute is due, custom to whom custom, fear to whom fear, honor to whom honor." Owe no man anything but to love one another, for he that loveth another hath fulfilled the law. For this thou shalt not commit adultery, thou shalt not kill, thou shalt not steal, thou shalt not bear false witness, thou shalt not covet. If there be any other commandment, it is briefly comprehended in this saying, namely, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. Love worketh no ill to his neighbor, therefore love is the fulfilling of the law. And that knowing the time that now it is high time to awake out of sleep, for now is our salvation nearer than we, uh, uh, nearer than when we believe first believed. Verse 12, the night is far spent, the day is at hand. Let us therefore cast off the works of darkness and let us put on the armor of light. Let us walk honestly as in the day not in rioting and drunkenness, not in chambering and wantonness, not in strife and envying, but put ye on the Lord Jesus Christ, and make not provision for the flesh to fulfill the lusts thereof. 
Okay, let's pray. Uh, Dear Heavenly Father, God, we just come together today on this radio program to honor you and to glorify you, Lord. And we just look at this amazing passage of Romans 13 and 14, Lord, and we just ask you, Lord, for your blessing. Give us your Holy Spirit as we discuss these important verses, God. Um, I pray for the listeners that they will also just, Lord, be able to be convicted, encouraged, uh, lifted up as they listen to our program. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Okay, so there are three great institutions in the Bible that God has given to man to help us in our chaotic world dealing with life under the curse with our own sin nature and with living with others who have a sin nature. These three great institutions are, of course, the family, which was established even before the entrance of sin into the world, then human government, which was really established officially, I think you could say, after the flood, and then the church of Jesus Christ. So the church, government, and family are God's three great institutions to guide, to guard, and to govern man. And this passage in Romans 13 deals with government. And we're going to look at that this evening and then get a bit into chapter 14, which deals with our conscience, which really is another way that we guide ourselves through this life, through government, as well as through our conscience. Now, human society can't exist peacefully without government, without laws. And the worst government is still better than no government at all, because anarchy is really, would be the worst of all. (laughs) But government is ordained of God, we're going to see tonight. Government exists to maintain order with just laws. Government is to repress crime. Government's purpose is to preserve liberty, protect God's given rights. It, the government is is really there for man's protection and to serve bringing justice to an unjust world. But we know that the best government is still imperfect at best because... In government, there's just sinners who are working in the government. But still, government is needed in the world. So let's look at this matter this evening of of government and our Christian responsibility and what is our relationship to government. So in the first three verses of Romans that we read, we read how government has a vital role in society. So Debbie, what, what, what should be generally the Christian's attitude toward human government? Well, Pastor Matt, this is a really timely question, and there are a lot of things we could say about the government. But I believe, as long as we are not commanded to disobey God, that our general attitude should be an attitude of submission to government. Because uh, Romans 13.1 starts with a command to obey government authorities. It says, Let every soul be subject unto the higher powers. Uh, that means the higher-ranking government officers. So as a Christian, I find that my submissive attitude, it depends on what I believe. And as a born-again, Bible-believing Christian, I am fully persuaded uh, that the last part of Romans 13.1 is, is true, which says, the powers that be are ordained of God. And that means human governments have been ordained by God. And so I believe my Heavenly Father allows specific human leaders to be temporarily in charge. So as long as the human laws 
uh, do not conflict with obedience to God, I should have an attitude of submission. So, you know, submission to reasonable human laws. Uh, because, again, in Romans 13.2, it says that if I resist or rebel, I am rebelling against God's arrangement of things. Yeah, well, thank you so much. And that's so beautifully said, Debbie. And it's true that God is the one who has ordained these powers. In a sense, we could say that governments have a delegated authority from God, that all human governments only del- uh, only rule by divine decree. And it, it speaks about in Daniel chapter 2, that God is ultimately the ruler over all human government. And it says in Daniel chapter 2, verse 20, and I love this verse where Daniel answered, and he said, Blessed be the name of God forever and ever. Wisdom and might are his. He changes the times and the seasons. He removes kings and set up up kings, doesn't he? God has removed nations in power and brought them down. And God has lifted up other nations and then brought them down again. So God is the ultimate ruler. And so when he allows a government to be ruling, he's ultimately allowed that. Micah, did you want to add? Yeah, uh, Pastor, you mentioned those three great institutions as you open up uh, this morning, uh, tonight, uh, (laughs) which God uses to bring order uh, to our world, the family, the human government, and the church, as you said. And one thing that stands out to me is that within each of those institutions, God sets up a specific authority structure, which in a way it reflects the authority structure in heaven. So whether we look at the family with its father as the head, or whether we look at the church with the lead pastor as the head, you know, there's a resemblance to heaven in that the Trinity also has this authority structure because the Father has authority over the Son and the Spirit, even while all three members of the Godhead are equal. So now in Romans 13, Paul goes on for some length to describe the authority structure regarding citizens of human government. Yes, we are all equal because we are all made in God's image, but the Lord still calls us to submit to the authority of civic rulers, and this is done to bring order to society, and as the chapter reminds us, because God is the one who puts the authorities over us. So as a citizen of our respective countries and states and cities, we also need to live like citizens of heaven. And one way we do that, as Debbie mentioned, is by having a default attitude of submission to those governing us. Yeah, and and you think about our Lord Jesus Christ, that he himself in his humanity submitted himself to human authority, and he lived, of course, under the authority of Roman rule, which was very unjust. And, and even Peter wrote, honor the king when Nero was the king who was going to ultimately put him and Paul to death, you know, and, and Jesus himself powerfully said, though, to Pilate, you could have no power at all against me except it were given to thee from above. So God is in control over all, but yet God has allowed human rulers to be in charge, and that is, as you said, kind of our default mode. But that doesn't mean that, as Christians, we would necessarily obey every ordinance of man, because sometimes the ordinance of men go contrary, completely contrary, to the will of God in our lives. And so, Dal, I guess, you know, when we think about submission being our, yes, our default response to human government in obeying the laws, sometimes God's people have had to exercise a civil 
disobedience. And we see that in Scripture, in the life of Daniel, in Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, in the Hebrew midwives. We could talk about that. But what about, what about civil disobedience? And let's talk about times when Christians can and may even ought to stand up against ungodly government. Well, clearly, in the uh, experience of my people, African Americans, there were times when certainly we had to practice disobedience because the Constitution itself goes against the Scriptures when they declared that black people were three-fifths of a person. So that's not, you know, that, that right away that's out of line with Scripture. So the injustice that resulted from there, you know, led to slavery, and the slavery w- was dealt with through the abolitionists. The abolitionists who were, were great heroes who fought to bring an ending to a horrible institution called slavery. Then you had the civil rights movement, which was a hundred and something years later, where people uh, again put their lives on the line to bring freedom and equality to a whole race of people. And uh, so, yes, that there's, a time, there's times when we have to stand up and say, no, this is wrong. We have to speak truth to power. Mm-hmm. And and Fortunately, in this uh, government, this government does allow us the, the right to, to uh, protest. Freedom of speech, yeah. Freedom of speech. And freedom of protest, yeah. But even if you're in a situation where it's not, if, if something is that far out of line, you must stand up and speak the truth to power. Yeah. And, and, but, you know, in the scriptures, you, I just want to point out that Moses, when he escorted the, um, the children of Israel out of Egypt, that was uh, civil disobedience. That was social justice. That was God moving in a mighty way. When you look at Amos and what he said about uh, the all of the injustices that were taking place uh, against the poor, you see that God is totally against that type of stuff, and He is for He is a God of the oppressed. God is. Yeah. Yes, He is. And you know, men like Frederick Douglass, who stood up for freedom in times of slavery, he was actually just claiming the divine right that was his from God, freedom, and the uh, pursuit of liberty and happiness, but also in the Constitution itself. That was, that was declared for him in the Constitution as, a, as somebody endowed by his Creator with those inalienable rights. So, praise God for those who did stand up in civil disobedience. And, and Micah, there are some examples of this, but w- what did you like to add to this? Yeah, well, I, I totally agree. You know, there are times when civil disobedience is called for, and we see multiple examples in the Bible similar to the ones you just listed, Pastor. Um, but we also have examples where God gives wisdom to his followers to work within the government systems that are in place, even when the government systems are ungodly. And I was reading through the book of Esther this week, and in that story, I actually saw both. I saw civil disobedience and working within the system. There was civil disobedience when Mordecai, in chapter 3, he refused to obey King Ahasuerus' command to bow down to Haman. Now, there is some mystery as to exactly why he disobeyed, but chapter 3, verse 4, it indicates that there was probably some worship implied in the bowing down to this Persian prince, and Mordecai refused to do so because, quote, for he had told them that he was a Jew. But then there's also working within the government system after Haman, you know, he tricks the king into allowing the Jews to be killed. And so when Mordecai, he gives the specific instruction to Queen Esther to go in unto the king to make supplication unto him and to make requests before him for her people. So Queen Esther then handles the situation with seemingly 
supernatural wisdom, and it's also, I think, undeniable that God orchestrates the perfect moment for Esther to make her request. So it just seems that in the case of Mordecai and Esther, both civil disobedience and working within the system were of God. Yeah, that's that's such a great point, Micah. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you for sharing that. Um, when I think of civil disobedience, I, I really love Peter's statement where he said, we ought to obey God rather than man. And those times where we have to obey God to worship, to pray, to save life as, as the Hebrew midwives, um, those are serious times to stand up. And when I think of obedience to civil government, I, I like Peter's words in parallel to Paul here, where Peter says in First Peter chapter 2, verse 13, Submit yourselves to every ordinance of man for the Lord's sake, whether it be to the king or supreme or unto governors, as unto them that are sent by him for the punishment of evildoers, for the praise of them that do well. And so, for the Lord's sake would mean that by submitting to government, doing it for God's sake would be for God's honor. And so, sometimes, as you mentioned, like whether Mordecai was to bow down to a man, that would not be for the Lord's sake. So, he had to obey God rather than man. Micah? Yeah, you know, I also just, I love that Dow mentioned the abolitionists and, you know, people who were standing up to what was the rule of law at that time, you know, and you can also think about yeah. um, the Holocaust and World War II, and, you know, people look back in hindsight and they say, well, how did that happen? Well, it happened because Christians did not stand up. The, the German church did not stand up to Hitler and, you know, go against what Hitler was saying. And if you ever read the autobiography of Dietrich Bonhoeffer, you know, that was a Christian pastor who did stand up. So, you know, there are instances in even recent history where civil disobedience was necessary. Yes. Dow? No, I was going to say in my book, uh, you know, I got it all in my little shopping mall. It's a book about me having a struggle to sell mm -hmm. my merchandise, legal merchandise, on the ferry to support my family. And I quote uh, Romans 13 after I had a big incident with the police. You know, I got arrested, was in the system for three or four days, and I started to yeah. reflect and look at things, and I st started to realize, okay, yeah, you know, the police are the authority, and I really should submit to them, but at the same time, I have to support my family. So I had to make a, a, a I, I had to have a balance where I said, you know something, if a police officer tells me something directly, I'm going to adhere to what he's saying. At the same time, I'm still going to do what I have to do to support my family with a legal dollar. Yes, sir. And yeah. so, so, so I found Amen. myself with that balance. But I, but uh, Romans thirteen really did, uh, you know, yeah. sway me that, in that yeah. direction. Yeah, and you know, when you look back, even at the founding of our country, the, our founders wrestled with Romans thirteen. They were not ignorant of sure. this, and they had to wrestle with that themselves. I do want to mention, Dow, you have written this book, and we've mentioned it a couple of times. I've got it all in my little shopping mall, and that book listeners could find and i do encourage them to get this book and read it. it it has your your story of your fight and your stand uh against city hall as you said you were put into that system and and also it has a lot of your poetry that you've done and listeners could get that book at www.bookdkb.com yes sir that's correct right. book d for Dow, K, for Kevin, B, for Buford, dot com. So, uh, guys, go on there online, get Dow's book at book, 
dkb.com. Thank you so much. So, Micah, as we move ahead here in this passage, in Romans chapter 13, we're just going to kind of highlight in verses 3 through 10, if you could kind of summarize from this passage some of the vital principles of government that you see in this passage that really focus in on our responsibility to governing authorities. Mm, Yeah. Well, I would summarize verses 3 through 10 with three main principles, and they are, number one, respect the government because it restrains evil. Number two, pay taxes to the government because it restrains evil. And number three, which is a little more surprising, obey the government out of love for your neighbor. So first, respect the government because it restrains evil. So as Christians, of course, we want evil to be restrained. And since human beings don't always restrain themselves, the government is the God-appointed force keeping people in check. And we're submit, we are to submit to the governing authorities because, as Paul says, those who govern are like, quote, ministers of God to be for good. So Paul also says that as long as we are doing what is right, there's no need to fear those in power. We may even get praise and recognition from them for being good citizens, and that's really how Christians should live. Number two, pay taxes to the government because it restrains evil. So it is, after all, a difficult job to keep society in order. Ask any NYPD officer, and I definitely have, you know, we would all agree that those in authority need to get paid, and facilitating the government costs money. In verse 7 of chapter 13, Paul essentially says, and while you're at it, don't just pay taxes to the government, also pay them with your reverence and with your honor, because, as we've mentioned, they are ordained of God. And then number three, obey the government out of love for your neighbor. And this one, it's pretty special, because it harkens back to the second part of Jesus' greatest commandment, love your neighbor as yourself, which itself links back to the second half, the second half of the Ten Commandments. And I just, I loved listening to Dow read those. I almost want, Dow, if you can just record the book of Exodus for me, that'd be really good. But verse 9, it quickly, you know, he, he lists, don't kill, don't steal, don't covet, don't lie, don't commit adultery. And Paul says, if you follow these, then you're loving your neighbor, and therefore you're probably fulfilling most human laws anyway. So Paul makes a very logical argument here, and, you know, I think it's a beautiful thing. Yeah. Uh, thank you, Micah. That is fabulous in your analysis and quick overview of this passage of Scripture. You really packed a lot in there. And w- What I would say, too, regarding government, first, when, I, when we just read the Scripture, and I th- think it says three times, it talks about how government workers are servants of God. They are ministers of God in verse 4. Ministers of God uh, to us for good. And when, when I see a police officer, or really, for that matter, anyone working in government in that sense, they are ministers of God seeking to bring peace and protection to our society. That's their function. That should be their goal. And that leads me to the second point, that as ministers of God, they, they, they bear a sword. Well, ours don't bear a sword. They bear a gun, you know. But that's to also to hope to bring us peace. You know, when I see a police officer with a gun and I'm near him, I actually feel safe in, in case there's a bad guy with a gun. There's a good guy with a gun, you know. And, and good guys with guns are needed to take out sometimes bad guys with guns. But that brings me to to say this, really, is that the ultimate purpose of government is for our protection. 
And I believe that's the emphasis here. In other words, the ultimate purpose is not to provide for us. And although government can provide a safety net, and all people, one time or another in their life, may need that government safety net of provision. But ultimately, the Bible puts the responsibility of our provision upon us, as you said, Dow, to work, to provide for your family. You know, we are to, it says if a man doesn't work, he shouldn't eat. In First Thessalonians, it talks about how we're to study to be quiet and to do our own business, to work with our own hands as we commanded you. So we are commanded to work. And on the other hand, we're commanded to pray for kings, for all that are in authority in First Timothy chapter 2, that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and honesty. In other words, we're to pray so that our government authorities can bring us the peace of protection so that we can work with our hands and enjoy the fruit of our labor. Did you want to say something, Doubt? Yeah. Yeah, I want to say um, my daughter, who is now a retired captain from the NYPD, uh, when she first decided to become a police officer, she told me that she wanted to be a police officer. And I, you know, thought about it and I said, you know, I just have one thing to say to you, Avis. Um, be fair. You are mm. going to be in a position of power, a great power and authority, and you must be fair because you will be held accountable by God. God is allowing you to be in that position and you will be accountable to him. So you must be fair in your position. Yeah. 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 Amen. Uh, thank you, Doug. Debbie? I've actually had three police officers in my family also. Um, my great-grandfather was the first um, constable in my hometown. And then my... Grandpa? Grandpa Horace, Horace. Andrews. Horace Andrews. Yeah, I didn't know him when he was... We a give honor to our dear grandfather, Horace, yes. Yeah, he was my great-grandfather, right. so he was very old, you know, when I was born. But... Um, he was a big man. He used to ride around town on a motorcycle. <laughs> and, uh, yeah. Then um, my stepfather was a state police officer in Connecticut, and he was a fine man. He was um, he was just a very good person. And my, my brother is a police officer right now in San Francisco, mm. and I'm so proud of him for the work he's doing. It's very hard. He's, very he's, hard. In, one of, he's in the Tenderloin District of mm-hmm. San Francisco, one of the real drug-infested areas of our nation. So we do need to pray for our police officers. As it says here, they are ministers of God to us for good. That doesn't mean they're all going to make the right decisions. As, as you said to your daughter, be fair. Sometimes police officers are not fair. They're human. We're dealing with human beings who are frail, who are sinners, and who are under the same curse as we are. So that's why we do need to pray for them. And we need to obey government. Um, as much as possible, out of respect and honor, as the scripture here says, and and also out of our for our own conscience' sake, to obey government as much as possible. And so, dear friends, let's pray for our government. We know there are a lot of problems in our own government. We know that uh, from the White House to Albany to City Hall, our leaders, our president, our governor, our mayor need our prayers. And, and, and need God's wisdom and help in their lives. And we need healing in our land. So I'm going to go to this song, go to a song about Lord heal our land. And we need us, we need to be Second Chronicles 714 kind of people that we would humble ourselves and pray and seek God's face during this time and pray for revival in our land and revival even in our government systems, dear friends. And as we go to this song, 
maybe there's someone who needs prayer. Maybe you've been mistreated by a police officer, or maybe you're in a system or in a situation where you've experienced injustice through your dealings with government or maybe with someone else and you're burdened about it and maybe even set back in your life by it if we could pray with you this evening give us a call or if you have any other burden or something has just come upon you unawares and you're being swallowed up with sorrow and trial or despair or depression give us a call if you're experiencing sadness of soul or depression of heart, give us a call at 929-333-3739 right now. We're going to go to a song. This is a good time for you to call at 929-333-3739. And we do pray, oh Lord, heal our land. We need you, Lord, to come down. We need you to revive us again that we would turn to you. Call us now at 929-333-3739.
Amen. Yes, Lord, heal our land. That is a beautiful prayer for this time in our nation's history. So as we move into Romans 13 toward the end, Brother Dow, in verses 11 through 14, Paul, Paul just tells us to wake up because we're on the cusp of Christ's coming and we're to look for the day of His coming. It's, it's, he says it is high time, right, to wake up out of sleep. Now is our salvation nearer than when we first believed. So how are we so to live, Dow? So that as, as we're looking for Christ coming and waiting for Christ to come, how do we now live so as not to fall into the world's ways of rioting and, and sinful shame? Real simple. A few steps. Uh, <laughs> number one, you, you must stay in the Word. Mm. I mean, saturate yourself with the Word of God. And, of course, you know, you want to be in a, a strong church, you know, a church where a, a, a strong Bible-believing church where you're going to hear the Word on a regular basis. And as Romans 12, 2 says, it says, uh, you know, the renewing of the mind through, yeah. the, through the Scriptures. And, of course, Ephesians six ten talks about the full armor of God that we must put on. Yeah. So these are the things that we need to do. I mean, and, and I mean, prayer and fasting and, you know, a strong church life. All of these things are going to prepare us uh, for the coming of Christ. Yeah, amen, amen. I love this passage where, of course, in Ephesians 6, Paul writes about the full armor of God. First Thessalonians chapter 5, he also refers to some aspects of the armor of God. But here he says that the night is far spent, the day is at hand. Let us therefore cast off the works of darkness and put on the armor of light. So really, just one piece of armor here. He just calls our whole panoply that Paul goes through all those different pieces of it. Here he just says, put on the armor of light. And because then he goes on and he describes this lifestyle of darkness, right? And in verses 13, where he, he talks about pairs of sins. He talks about rioting and drunkenness and chambering and wantonness and strife and envying. And, and really, one thing leads to the other. In other words, drunkenness leads to rioting. Wantonness leads to chambering, which is shacking up, bedding down with people that you're not married with. And envying leads to strife. And so the only way to overcome these is by the armor of God. Take on that armor of light. The full armor of God. Yeah. You know, Dal, one thing I appreciate about you, brother, is every time I we meet or talk, you always are a man of the Word of God. You always are challenging people. Even at, when we went to your book signing, there in the library, somebody asked you, what what would you encourage young people? How would you encourage young people today? And you would, you, that was the first thing you said, right? You say, get in the Word. Get in the Word. Yes. I mean, I believe that so strongly. And, and I mean, like I tell my, my own children, I said, out of everything I've ever told you, if you, if you, if you just throw everything else in the garbage, just cling mm. to one thing. Believe and trust God. Trust yeah. in His Word. Amen. Okay, you can take everything else I said and throw it out, but you just hang on to that part about trusting yeah. in the Lord. Yeah. yeah, because God's Word is truth, yes. and we need yes. His Word as our foundation, as our fountain, as our fortress in these days of trouble. Dear friends, you can give us a call at 929-333-3739. Maybe you just need to have prayer tonight to encourage you to be in the Word. Maybe you've not 
been spending time, a regular time every day, in the Word of God. Let's pray with you about that, that you could be committed to having your, we call it a daily devotional time, where you open up the Bible and you let God speak to your heart, and then you talk to God from what you've just read in prayer. So give us a call if we can pray with you about that at 929-333-3739. And Micah, would you like to add into this passage of Scripture in Romans 13, 11 to 14, around in there? Yeah, sure. Um you know, there's this modern concept of being woke, about, you know, waking up from sleep, about opening your eyes to reality. Um, but the originally woke, you know, those were the apostles and the prophets. Uh, Paul says in Ephesians 5.14, he says, Wherefore, he saith, Awake thou that sleepest, and arise from the dead, and Christ shall give thee light. So Paul was referencing back to Isaiah, who said in several passages, Awake, awake. You know, he's using his wake-up call sometimes as a rebuke for Israel, sometimes as an encouragement in some places. And here in Romans 13, Paul uses his wake-up call um, to tell people to run away from unrighteousness, to put on the righteousness of Christ, as if as if it was clothing. You know, we spoke about the spiritual armor. And um, it also reminded me of one verse from Isaiah 52.1, which says, Awake, awake, put on thy strength, O Zion, put on thy beautiful garments, O Jerusalem, the holy city, for henceforth there shall no more come into thee the uncircumcised and the unclean. Micah, you're almost going to get me preaching there. That was so good. Because <laughs> it's true. This world is saying, get woke. But the, the Bible saying, they need to wake up. Because, you know, yeah. you just think of the, the, one, the, the, the last pair in verse 13, where he talks about strife and envying. It is envy that is driving so much of woke ideology today. Boys want to be girls, and girls are envying and want to be boys. It's really a lack of contentment, and it's envy. And then it leads people to really go to sleep to their true calling, which is to glorify God and to put Jesus Christ first and love Him and live for Him and to put on the armor of God. And, and instead, people are making awful decisions about who they are and changing their gender and, and then even wanting to trans, transfer their sex from one sex to another through, through surgery and through very serious and dangerous medications. Oh, we need to wake up. Our culture needs yeah. to wake up, right? I'm, I'm, I'm to, I told you you were going to get me preaching. Preach I know. <laughs> so, dear friends, let's be awake for Jesus Christ because we are on the cusp of Christ's coming. So now we go into chapter 14, just the last few moments that we have in this program. And chapter 14 now kind of shifts to a new conversation of Christian liberty. Now, Christian liberty is the freedom that a Christian has to follow his conscience in those areas or practices of the Christian life that the Scriptures do not categorically or implicitly prohibit. In other words, we are prohibited from cursing, from drunkenness, from dishonoring God. We are, we are prohibited from not submitting to government. We are to submit to government, as he just said. But there are some things that we're not categorically prohibited from doing. Or commanded to do. So there's some areas of Christian liberty. And Christian liberty is also, also isn't just like you get to do whatever you want. That's not liberty. Liberty is sometimes limiting what you do so that you don't offend or become a stumbling block to someone else. So in your liberty, you might actually limit what you do out of deference for someone else. 
Christian liberty, though, is the freedom to obey God. And let's face it, Christians don't always agree. (laughs) Actually, Christians, we're pretty disagreeable people, even with, with each other sometimes. But So there is this matter of Christian liberty. And we're going to just kind of summarize in verses 1 through 12 a few points here, uh, Debbie, because these verses remind us how to respond to other believers when we disagree with them. And, And while there are some doctrines essential to our faith, there are other areas where we can agree to disagree. And Augustine put the matter well in his famous dictum. He said, in essentials unity and non essentials liberty and all things charity. And so Paul lays out principles for Christian unity and liberty. And let's focus in on verses 1 through 3, Debbie, if you can, and share with us some key thoughts from this passage. Sure, Pastor. This is uh, so important um, that I have collected a list of words uh, and written them in the back of my Bible um, so I can be reminded how to respond to other believers, uh, especially when we disagree. So here are some of them. Love, respect, appreciate, approve, admire, accept, Mm. trust, and give. And um, we would be very successful if we could practice some of that most of the time. But um, even as you said, it's important to have unity, liberty, and love in the body of Christ. So we see here in the book of Romans, it's the city of Rome, and there were both Jewish believers and Gentile believers. And we know before the Jewish believers became followers of Jesus, um, they had to follow their traditions about clean and unclean foods and Sabbath day restrictions and all the list of rules for the feast days. But we also know as we grow in Christ, as we grow in the knowledge of the gospel, we realize that Christians are free from the law of Moses. So we don't have to keep all those rules and regulations because we're we're righteous in Christ already. But still, a Jewish Christian might feel better if he or she does stick with eating kosher foods and sticks with celebrating the feasts. Whereas though a Gentile Christian might feel just fine buying meat in the public market. And you don't know where it's been, you know. But uh, anyway, Paul is saying we shouldn't argue. We shouldn't condemn one another based on what we eat or based on keeping special religious days. Yeah, that is so true. And imagine being a Jew in the first century, you know, where Christ, essentially, he does away with the Mosaic law, with its rituals, with with its ceremonies and sacrifices, with its diets and its focus on keeping certain days and feast days and even Sabbath days. And all of a sudden, one day they were under those things, and then really, it, it, the next day they weren't. And it was it was really a, a spiritual shock to their system. And and then, of course, Gentiles never kept any of those things. Now, and all of a sudden, in the church, as as you said, Deb, we have Jews and Gentiles in in the in the same assembly, and they were looking down on one another. And so, Paul is really dealing with this matter of agreeing to disagree on these issues, and. There's going to be difference of opinion on on what you're going to eat and what day you're going to worship and so forth. And Micah, if you could hold your your comment to this passage, we do have a phone call from Freddie, and thank you for calling, Freddie. And you're on the Heritage of Faith Conversation program, and if you have a question, we'd love to hear it. Yes, sir. Good afternoon. Good afternoon, brother. Thank you for calling. 
my, my question is, what happens... Yeah, go ahead. When the government law contradicts the law of God, what do you do then? Well... Because if you remember in the book of Daniel, chapter 3, King Nebuchadnezzar had ordered the men to Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego to bow down and worship the golden image. And they refused, and they were thrown into the fiery furnace. Didn't they do the right thing? Absolutely, and we, we discussed that, Freddie. We did discuss that there are times of civil disobedience where we must obey God rather than man. And I, I really love, and you, you cited a perfect example of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and we also referenced Daniel, and it even says in Daniel chapter 6, when Daniel knew that the writing was signed. <laughs> I mean, he knew it, and, and, and it says he went into his house and his windows being open. So he was unashamed in his disobedience to that human law that said man ought not and would not pray except under threat of being thrown into this den of lions. So Daniel knew the writing was signed. He opened his window and he said, here I am, everybody. I'm going to pray anyway. And so he took his stand for God. And so that's what we have to do there, Freddie. All right, got you. Okay. Oh, good. I'm glad I was clear. Okay, that's good. To, okay, thank you very much. Thanks for calling, thank brother. Get get back to us, okay? Okay. So, Michael, we're here. we were talking about Christian liberty and uh, the difference that Jews and Gentiles would have over days and diets and so forth. Did you want to make a comment about that? Wait, wait. We don't we don't hear you there, Micah. Hold up. Okay. Oh, okay. Now, now now we're good. Yeah. Yep. Okay. Well, I was just going to say there's so many things, uh, you know, music, entertainment, dress, the way oh, one Lord. spends their money. There's different things that we can, you know, disagree on. But the bottom line, as Debbie said, was, you know, we do have to live and let live on these non-essentials. And, you know, we can reason with our fellow Christians if we think we can convince them otherwise. But eventually our love for others, it must supersede even our own personal conviction. You mean everyone's not going to agree with me about... What kind of music we should listen to? I can't. I can't believe that. <laughs> That's, that is true. You know, we we do have different tastes when it comes. Like right now, I am wearing. You see what I'm wearing? This is the first yeah. time I'm wearing this to the radio. I'm wearing my New York Mets hoodie. Now I know a lot of people would be offended with this, especially Yankee fans. But you know, I'm just a diehard. Mets fan, it just—it's just a shame, but it is what it is, and and I just love this hoodie, and it's a little cool in here, so it's just the perfect night to be wearing this, and I hope I, I'm not offending anyone with my bright orange sleeves here. Okay, <laughs> okay, so uh, Micah, we'll go back to you here in Romans chapter fourteen, in verses four through nine. What a beautiful passage of scripture as we see the word Lord in these few verses nine times, God appears three times. And the title Lord here is a reference to Jesus being Lord of the dead and of the living. So it's a very strong passage to show the deity of Christ, but also that every believer 
ultimately belongs to God. We are not to be lords over others. We have a Lord, right? The Lord Jesus Christ. So how does this passage and how ought this passage to guide our thinking related to these differences that do exist among God's people? Yeah, well, this is a, it's a bit of a tough one because the world loves to grab onto this phrase that only God can judge me as an excuse to sort of do whatever they want. But doing whatever you want, it's a contradiction to what we just discussed about God-ordained governments which resist evil. So often when someone says, don't judge me, they're involved in behavior that is clearly called out as sin in Scripture. So it's important that we understand this correctly. So again, let's stress that we're talking about how we treat other Christians, and we're talking about non-essentials here, issues that are not clearly labeled sin. So verse 4, it says, Thwart thou that judgest another servant, another man's servant, to his own master he standeth or falleth. Yea, he shall be holden up, for God is able to make him stand. So if someone is a servant of Jesus Christ, then we should not treat them like they are our servants. Ultimately, the Lord Jesus will convict them and judge them through his grace, and not necessarily in our timing. So Paul essentially instructs us to search the scriptures, be convinced of our own convictions, and then live according to those convictions for both the important and the mundane. And he summarizes this well in 1 Corinthians 10.31, Whether therefore ye eat or drink, or whatsoever ye do, do all to the glory of God. You know, and this passage, it it even says in verse 5, thank you, Micah, for that, but he says, One man esteems one day above another, another man esteems every day alike. Let every man be fully persuaded in his own mind. And even Christians, you know, some Christians might say, well, we shouldn't celebrate Christmas because it's not in the Bible. Well, if you feel that you shouldn't celebrate Christmas, then don't celebrate Christmas, if that's what your conscience is telling you. And even Jehovah Witnesses make a big issue, don't they, out of celebrating birthdays. Don't to celebrate birthdays. But it says here, one man esteems one day above another. It was my birthday on February 10th, and, and I'm glad a few people celebrate. What a beautiful celebration, by the way, in our church. I didn't demand or asked for it, but the church did a beautiful gesture for us. They're going to send us to Italy, my wife and I. Oh, the time is done. Micah, finish us off here, brother. Well, I just want to say that, you know, these words of following the Lord as far as government, you know, it is an encouragement. It should be an encouragement to all of us that God sets up an authority structure for our benefit. God loves us. He gives us authority over us. He wants to protect us. He wants to restrain evil. So submit to that, friends, and be encouraged by it. And whatever you do, say, Jesus is Lord. Whatever you say, say, Jesus is Lord. Wherever you go, be able to say, Jesus is Lord. He is the Lord of life. He is the Lord of the dead. And he's coming soon. So let us be looking and watching and warring for Jesus Christ. Good night, friends, and come to church. Good night. Thank you, Dow. God bless you. Belated happy birthday. (laughs) Thank you for tuning in to the Heritage of Faith Conversations radio program. To find out more about Heritage Baptist Church and our service times and locations, visit our website at hbcnyc.org. We stream multiple services online each week, including 11 a.m. Sunday mornings and 7.15 p.m. Wednesday nights. All are welcome, and you can find links to participate in our services on our website hbcnyc.org and join us again next Sunday at 6pm for another Heritage of Faith conversation sponsored by Heritage Baptist Church. Until then rejoice in the Lord.